good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I guess it all depends on where you happen to be listening to the, well, what would you call them, Gene? The chocolatey, velvety tones of my voice. Chocolatey? Does that That's sound? New. Does that, yeah, it's <laughs> chocolatey. I don't even like chocolate. No, you no, don't. No, I don't like chocolate. Well, um, listen, it is time for another hour of good company, good Bible study, and mostly good ideas, although most of the good ideas come from the other side of the table here in studio. Those <laughs> would be your ideas, Gene, and the irresponsible ideas, that's my department, right? Well, I, w- I won't debunk that. That no. sounds about accurate. <laughs> that's the way it should be. <laughs> I put out the wrong ideas, and my wife fixes them with her Bible open. That's the way that it works in our house anyway, and so we may as well make it work that way here. <laughs> you keep me on the straight and narrow. I do my best. Now, my bride of 26 years. 26. We've been married 26 years. You don't seem like you're old enough to have been married for 26 years. Thank you. Yeah. Definitely looking old enough if you look at the gray hair and the wrinkles around I the eyes. I like your gray hair. <laughs> you no, do. it wasn't age that gave you gray hair, though. No. It was me. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, the gray no. hair started Look, after you we had, got married. You had gray hair when I met you. I, I did. A little I did have splash, a little tiny... A little, a little splash little in the front. streak. That's yeah. right. Right in the front. I like it. Mm-hmm. I think it's hot. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> You're probably alone in that. You but are thank my, you, honey. You are my gray-haired hottie. <clears throat> All right. Okay. We're going to talk about... Um, actually marriage, mm-hmm. even though I just probably ended mine right now. <laughs> We're going to talk about marriage and dating and those good things. But before we get going, I've got to share a story with you. Have you ever heard of a guy by the name of, and I don't know if I'm going to get this right, okay. Anatoly Bugorsky? Anatoly I... Bugorsky. You heard no, of him? No, I haven't heard of well, him. Well, here's who he is. Here's who he is. I'd never heard of him before like last week either. Okay. He's a scientist. And he's famous in the scientific circles for something that, frankly, is a little bit, well, horrific. Hmm. Back in 1978, Anatoly—I don't know—is that how you pronounce that, Anatoly? A N A T O L I. Anatoly. No, Anatoly. Anatoly. I, I think that yeah. would be what I would. Uh, yeah, I think so to. too. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, in 1978, he's working at a particle accelerator, right? And so he he accidentally leans into the particle beam while the thing is still on, oh and so this stream of really high energy protons go through the back of his head, and I guess it comes out somewhere near his nose. They were able to pinpoint where this thing went into his head (laughs) and came out of his head. Oh, my. Yeah. Did it kill him? No, no, no. Anatoly, as far as I know, last week was still alive. Okay. And you wouldn't expect him to be alive because sticking your head into a particle excel, that sounds like something I would do. Yeah, it does, does. right? (laughs) Sticking your head into a particle accelerator exposes you, from what I understand, and I'm no physicist, but it's somewhere between four and six hundred times the lethal dose of radiation. Four to six hundred times. But somehow, Anatoly survived. Maybe because it's such a pinpoint beam of of particles, we don't know. Mm -hmm. He says that the experience was like seeing this blinding flash of light and quote it was like a thousand suns inside my head yeah a thousand suns so the skin blisters like you would expect from a burn or from radiation poisoning Mm -hmm. apparently the left side of his head swelled up like a balloon right so that it swelled up he had some seizures after that and then after that he seems to be okay 
Hmm, he survived the thing. As a matter of fact, after the particle beam got him in the head, he went on to get his doctorate. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. I can see why this is a well-known story. Um, he didn't come out with any radioactive superpowers no, either, did no, he? No, <laughs> you know, I've been wondering. Oh, yes, he did. He got his doctorate done in four and a half minutes. Yeah, there you right? go. He did the entire yeah. doctorate in four and a half minutes <laughs> because he stuck it. No. Although I'm wondering, maybe I should put my head into the particle accelerator because mm-hmm. maybe that would, what harm could it do? Uh, Let's it, be honest. It probably could do a lot of harm. No, but come on, man. Like I'm 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 dealing with nothing up there anyway. <laughs> and maybe I would have a flash of brilliance once in a while if well. I Do we have a particle accelerator somewhere in the building, guys? Yeah, it's on the second basement A second oh, okay, basement okay, level. Okay, okay. All right, we're gonna okay, go put our heads in there later is. and see what happens. <laughs> yeah, I think that would uh, no. He didn't come away with any superpowers. It does sound like the beginning of a, you know. Uh, superhero movie or yeah, comic book, I yeah. guess, like the ones I read as a kid. He's just lucky to be alive. Mm-hmm. And so the reason I bring this up is I thought, well, that's an interesting analogy. He's kind of like the entire human race when we deliberately watch this segue now. Okay. Right? It's when we deliberately stepped into the particle beam of sin. Ooh, good See? segue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The wages of sin is death. That's what mm-hmm. God warned us would happen. But here we are still alive by the grace of God. Mm-hmm. And the reason we're alive is because before anybody sinned, God already had a plan in place to save us. Sometimes people don't realize that. The plan of salvation wasn't an afterthought that right. God put in place after Adam and Eve messed up. It was there ahead of time. How do we know that? Bible says, Revelation 13, verse 8, that Jesus is the lamb slain from the foundation, foundation of, of the, the world. world right? right. So. Right. So that plan was already in place in case some because we were created with free will, mm-hmm. the ability to choose against God, because you can't choose for God if you don't have the chance to choose against him. And real love demands a choice. Well, we made such the uh, such a uh, bad choice. God had put a plan in place in case that should happen. Mm-hmm. That's a profound mm-hmm. statement, really, that you know, the whole plan of salvation was there before we ever made the wrong choice. We should probably do a whole show on that or a series on that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because really the gift of Christ at the cross is not just the essence of Christianity, and it is. Mm-hmm. It's not just the basis for our faith, it is. Um, but it is the most profound thing God has ever done in our human history. And I'm guessing we could spend the rest of our lives, maybe even all eternity, and never get to the bottom of what actually was accomplished at Calvary. Yeah, yeah. We, we should do a, sh- a series on it, Sean. A okay. whole series. Yeah, no, that we would, should. We that's should. a great idea. Um, but it's know, not our topic for today, no, is it? it? <laughs> no, it's not. And it would be quite a series because, what, have we had like 2,000 years of Christianity now? And mm-hmm. if you read all the theologians over the last 2,000 years, they've never hit the bottom of this subject, the cross, right? right? right. So, no, it's right. not our subject for today. But it's kind of related to our, here comes another fantastic segue okay. from the mind of Sean without benefit of particle beam. <laughs> All right. No, it is related to that because in Ephesians chapter 5, mm-hmm. Paul compares the relationship between Christ and his church to the relationship that exists between husband and and wife. Mm-hmm. So Paul spends a little bit of time discussing the way that Christians are supposed to coexist in their various roles. And so in that chapter, you see the relationship between servants and masters, children and parents, and then the relationship between spouses. And then he says this, right at the end of Ephesians chapter 5, or near the end of the chapter, this is verse 32. 
For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, and he's quoting old, you know, other scriptures here. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Hmm. This is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. So, essentially, marriage, Paul says, is like a school for heaven. It's like an analogy for the relationship between Christ and his church. And, of mm-hmm. course, in the Bible, Jesus is the groom and the church is is the bride. Mm-hmm. So, here's mm-hmm. what I think we want to do today. Or at least this is what I planned for us to do today. You and I both, well, we've got some experience with marriage 26 years, 26 <laughs> long years. Send, yeah, send your sympathy cards to Gene Boonstra <laughs> at oh. Box 999 Loveland, Colorado. Because, like, how do you put up with this for 26 years? And I'm patient. I'm extremely patient. Yes, you no. <laughs> are. You are a very patient woman. I've known you now for more than 30 years. Yes. Because not too far back, we went past our 30th anniversary of our first date. Right. Pretty good for a guy, right? right? Guys yeah. don't remember what day. But do you remember what day of the year mm-hmm. our first date was? I do. When? Mm-hmm. What was September it? September 7th. Really? Mm-hmm. Do you remember where we went? Yes. Where did we? Yeah, we went. This is like a free. I don't know if it still exists, but we went to Ming's, Ming's Chinese Food in Victoria, British Columbia. That's right. We have and that was a freebie, food. Ming's. That mm-hmm. was a freebie. Mm-hmm. But if you ever want to get mentioned on this show again, you need to support the program. <laughs> Ming's Chinese food, and then we went for a little walk on the ocean, and I swept you off your feet, and to this day, you still have stars in your eyes that such a handsome young man came by and asked you on a date. We'll go with that. Yeah, no, that's not <laughs> no, at all how did. it happened. We I was had nervous. A great, we had a great first date, and you uh, were a gentleman, and I Underlined. spilled a glass yeah. of water on the table at dinner. That was memorable. Um, but we went for a walk. Uh, if anyone's ever been to Victoria, B.C., we weren't downtown in the Inner Harbor area there, which is so pretty. But we went to another beautiful place, which is called the Breakwater, yeah. which is that wall that was big cement wall that was built out into the ocean to stop the the waves from crashing onto the shoreline. And it's a gorgeous walk because right. you, you get to go right out onto the ocean. You get out onto the ocean. And I had, you know, a good, I don't know, it's about a five-minute walk if you're dilly-dallying with your dream girl. And so I had five minutes to the end of the breakwater to charm you. Yes, you did. Yeah, to mm-hmm. exert my irresistible charms <laughs> upon an impressionable young lady. Yes, yeah. we were so young. When I think back to how Too young we were, were that, oh, well, we'll probably talk were you about even, that. Were you 18? I was 18. You were 19, not That's quite terrible. 20. No, I know, we were that so is too young. young to date. Now that we have children that age, that is far too young <laughs> to date. We have children older than that. You shouldn't be dating until you're 40. Well, that's, no. No. I wouldn't agree with that. I mean, Ruben's got, Ruben's got kids. When do you want your kids dating, Ruben? I think maybe 65. 65, yeah. <laughs> 65. No, that's about right. It's reasonable. You yeah. don't want to be a grandparent then. Uh, well, that's actually our... Our topic today, we're going to get a little bit squishy, squishier than I like to get, mm-hmm. and we're going to discuss dating, romantic relationships, and marriage. Right? Sounds good. Yeah, right. there's a lot to talk about. Right. Mm-hmm. So I know that we don't always get things right. Well, you you do. Um, you get almost everything right. But 
We became Christians mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. And so in our romantic history, there was the without Christ period mm-hmm. and the with Christ period. Mm-hmm. And I think we've noticed the difference that Christianity, that Christ makes in relationships and the home. Absolutely. Right. So Absolutely. here we go. This is unprecedented. This is about as squishy and romantic as Sean ever gets. And look at the way I'm about to make myself vulnerable to the whole world. We are going to come back and well, I guess there's a few more minutes to go till the break, but mm-hmm. first mm-hmm. date, I'm gonna I'm gonna unpack my feelings on the radio. We are going to look at each other, gaze into each other's eyes and share our most intimate feelings on the radio. Are we? Yeah. Oh, and, boy. Yeah. And, um, and at some point, you need to unpack your true feelings for me because, okay. you know, this will be like therapy for you on the air. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about our feelings, but we're also going to look at the <laughs> no, scriptures. No, we're not. No, we're not. That wasn't true. And we are not talking about feelings. <laughs> well, a little bit. I'm sure feelings will come up. But, Sean, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the scriptures and we're going to talk about some practical things, some things that we learned in the process, being married for 26 years, we've learned a few things along the yeah. way. Definitely. The biggest surprise about 26 years is that you didn't jump ship at 25. At 25. Has anybody I mean, told I was you? In that long. Has anybody told you that this could go on for 50 or 60 years? Yes, Has that occurred I'm to well you? Aware. Yeah, you poor girl. 60 <laughs> years. You know what I'm going to look like when we cross our 60th wedding anniversary? Well, I'll be I'm right going to look like you. I'm 35 and stunningly handsome. That's what I'm going to look like <laughs> when I turn whatever age that will be. Time for a break. We're going to come back with the Bible, dating, and marriage right after this. As you may know, the Voice of Prophecy is supported by people just like you. We provide Christ-centered programs and Bible studies free of charge so that no one is left out. If you've been blessed by these programs and would like to pay it forward, we invite you to visit vop.com slash give to make your tax-deductible donation. We're equipping the world for Christ to come, and your support will make a direct impact on so many lives. That's vop.com slash give. Earthquakes, tornadoes, wildfires. Around us, homes are being lost, lives are threatened, and some people are asking the question, does God even care about me? The Bible answers that question, and what it says is very encouraging. Find out what God says regarding this topic and some of life's greatest issues in our free Discover Bible Guides. Go to VOP.com and click on Study, or call us 888-456-7933. We are back from the break, and during the break, I went and got a book about marriage so that I would have something to say in this next segment, and I read the whole thing during the break because, of course, I'm capable of that ever since my head got into the, you know, (laughs) I found the particle beam accelerator downstairs (laughs) in basement number two, as Ruben put it. Uh, No, we are talking about marriage, the difference that God makes in a marriage, the things that you can learn from marriage. We're going to talk marriage and dating. We should have saved this for Valentine's Day. Because we live in Loveland, Loveland, Colorado, Colorado, the Valentine capital of the world. I think people actually, how does that work? They send their Valentines mm-hmm. cards. Yeah, it's a Valentine resending program. So you send your cards here and not then, here, not to the well, voice not of prophecy, to the voice of prophecy, but to the Loveland I'm just open them all post and read them. office, yeah. and then they 
um, run them through their machine, which has a special, you know, Valentine poem on it, and it gets a stamp, and therefore your sweetheart gets a Valentine from Loveland, Colorado. So where would the best information on that be? I'm not sure. City of Loveland, We're not here to plug that, though. But we do live in the love capital. Something I said during the break, I have a mug here that, that says... It says coffee on it, and that would that somebody gave me this mug, and I don't drink. Like we are caffeine adverse, and mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. let's just make that clear. There is nothing in <laughs> it's there. It's just a nice mug. No, nah, yeah. yeah, it's just a nice mug, and um, and it occurred to me, man, I brought this into studio, and there is no alcohol, no caffeine. <laughs> it's a kosher cup. It is a kosher cup. It just has filthy tap water. That's. Heat it up a little bit. All right. Let's talk about marriage and dating. All right. So here's what I want to put to you. Now that we are old and wise, Mm -hmm. or you are, you are (laughs) old and wise. wise. No, I haven't aged a bit. I still look 18. You Amen. Look, <laughs> I had a lady yeah, this thank weekend. Thank you, Amanda. Amanda's in the control room. She says I still look 18. Okay. 18. Good. Because I had a gray beard when I was 18. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now that we're old and wise, what kind of advice would you give somebody who's just getting out there into the dating market? Go Jean's advice column. Well, it's tough. Um, we do have daughters, one that's still in high school, but one's definitely dating um no she she is not no no she is really yeah but um she's 20 so that's i will find you young man i will find you no it's you will regret asking her out (laughs) so you know i this is very real i talk with natalie about these things quite are you about to throw her under the bus on radio no i'm not but you said what advice would we give well i mean i i I guess it's i don't know that i have the i do know that i don't have the answers that's probably a good way to put it because as i talk through these things with with natalie i realize um i don't i don't have the answers but what i do have is the experiences that i've been through and um, being able to look backward from 26 years back you do realize you've learned a few things throughout the years okay so lay it on um something something i've said a couple of things the first thing i've said to her is when you're dating, maybe when you first start dating, you imagine that there's a perfect person out there. Mm. And you have this list of qualities that you expect from your... She your, actually has one, though, doesn't she? She does. She made a list that she prays about. A couple of years yeah. ago, she did. And I, I think a lot of Christian young people do that. Um but I would say that's good. That's good. Pray about the qualities you want in that person. But as you begin to date and maybe as you mature a little bit, you may realize that not all of the things on that list are keeper qualities. You okay. know, you have to kind yeah. of say, all right, which what's a deal breaker? What must I what qualities must I see in a person that they love God, that they're committed to him on a personal level? Um, you know, everyone has different things. But then are there things on there that, you know, they have to have a certain career, they must be musical, they have to like, Is that on I don't list? know, they sports must be or something? Yeah. It was on her original list, yeah. musical. <laughs> so I think 
as you begin dating, not only do you meet different people from different backgrounds, you change and you mature as a person. So figuring out that balance between what is extremely important to you and what maybe isn't as important. That's part of the process. And what I would also say is um, sometimes, like you and I, we were very young. We went on a couple Too dates. Too young. And we it worked right away. We did. I, you're the only person I dated in college because we started dating right because away. Because once you've gone on a date with Sean, <laughs> how can the other guys compete? <laughs> yes, that's yeah. how I felt. But you're the only person I dated in college, but it doesn't always work that way for everyone, obviously. Right. And so things sometimes take time and there and there's a reason and there's a purpose for that um i've just recently been studying first samuel the first three chapters oh that was my study Um, earlier last year okay yeah the story of hannah right um she she's praying for a child in that case but you know there's um let's see if i can find it in first samuel chapter one let me just flip back over there sean while we're talking um there's something that just jumped out at me uh, from First Samuel chapter one, and it applied to Hannah in as she was waiting for Samuel. Okay, but it applies in other situations too. And it's verse twenty. Okay, it says, "And so it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived." And bore a son, and it's that process of time that really stood out to me recent, most recently when I read that. That was in First Samuel. First uh, Samuel chapter one, verse twenty. Oh, verse twenty. Okay. Verse twenty. Yep. So the there, there is time. a process oh, of like time. That. Things happen for a reason and a purpose, and in God's timeline, uh, the process of time in this specific story is God had a plan for Samuel. He needed him to be a prophet and a leader in Israel at that specific time. And so trusting God with the timing of of our dating life, um, that's also advice I would give. I would give to young people dating. Well, here comes the protective father. Here it mm-hmm. comes. I, here's here's what here's what I've been thinking. You know what would and, and people come to me all the time. I remember this couple coming to me and um, and they wanted to get married. It would seem like a hasty thing. They knocked on a church door while I was inside vacuuming or something. And we want to get married right now. And I don't I don't do that. You know, and it's like I'm not going to perform this ceremony if I don't know you and I haven't taken time with you and and, and so on. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm with this piece of advice take your time you and i dated for now this is not a formula i don't want to be misunderstood but you and i dated what three and a half four years we did before we got married Mm -hmm. i think that um a lengthy courtship and and this is getting hard because a lot of people now they're hitting puberty earlier and they're kind of starting their adult life later like in their late 20s and so on and so they try and truncate the courtship process, but I would say you need to take enough time that you actually know what you're getting into. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter who you're going to marry. There are going to be flaws. There are going to be things that don't live up to your wildest dreams. Human beings are human beings. Mm -hmm. But you really want to take enough time to know what those are on your way in the door. Mm -hmm. It's one thing to have fun together, and we had a lot of fun dating. We, we, We really did. What you want to know before you hit the altar, you know, and 
and get married is can you handle a crisis together? Yes. Can you handle the days that aren't so magical together? Right, right. Because it is for a lifetime, and it is so much easier to find out ahead of time that you are not supposed to be married than it is to get married and then mm-hmm. sort that out later. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Right. Yeah, and, and and a three and a half plus year courtship, and then we were engaged for a year and a half before we were married. That that worked because we were young. Um, clearly, individuals maybe who are dating well, mid twenties, yeah. later twenties, they had they bring some maturity well, to the relationship seen, as well. Yeah, I've seen people who are forty and get married, but you have forty years of life experience, Ex- and you're exactly. able you're able to think down the road a little better and know whether or not you, you'll know better what you're looking at mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. particularly man you're just starting life make it a long courtship here's mm-hmm. the other piece of advice that i've got and this is for the young ladies out there now okay. i have no sisters but i'm the father of two daughters mm-hmm. and i will be this honest about men here it comes young ladies men don't change you are not going to change the man you know and, and i say that because and, and you can correct me here if i'm wrong gene but it seems to me that some women are willing to put up with somebody who's not an ideal you know candidate for a christian spouse Mm -hmm. because in their hearts they have this dream but i will through the magic power of love transform this person you know love does transform people but in the dating phase that's a man's best foot forward Mm -hmm. that's when he's Mm -hmm. trying Mm -hmm. and the average male you guys in the booth you can correct me if i'm wrong but the average male doesn't improve the day they get married they drop their game a little bit and then you get the real guy you're not going to ruben i see you're reaching for the control switch am i right wrong you're a guy i'd say you're you're pretty much right yeah, yeah. I think dating right. is the a game it's yeah. the a game because you're, you're trying your to best, win you're you're putting your right. best put foot forward and i've heard you share that advice with our daughters and that's good good for them to realize that's good for them to um internalize as they're dating absolutely and i i think you're right i mean we all change and grow and mature um over time but if we are dating someone that doesn't match the criteria that we as Christians believe is not optional, like they have a relationship with God, they, you know, are, are a committed person, they're a reliable person, and we think, oh, yes, and we women definitely have a tendency to do this, we think, oh, but they'll change. Yes. And if yes, we're in they a relationship will. Not- and I love them, I can fix them. That is a tendency we as a lot of females have. And um, your advice is solid. What you see uh, in that early phase of dating, that should be, you shouldn't expect to marry something dramatically different because that's that's not yeah. realistic. No, it's their best foot forward. Mm-hmm. We're really trying because the way that the male brain is kind of wired mm-hmm. is... I know this, don't write me complaint letters for this analogy, but it's the hunting phase. Mm. You know, I'm out, I'm going to get a wife. And so you put all of your effort into that. And then once you get married, I'm just talking about the average male. I do value our relationship. I like to think that I still try to invest in it. You do. But in the male mind, once you are married, you check that off of your list and you move on to the next thing. Okay, now my career Mm -hmm. or my, Mm -hmm. and that's kind of, and we only focus on one thing at a time. A man's dating phase for a lot of men is their best foot forward. So if you notice that somebody's got an irrational temper Mm -hmm. or they've got, that's not going to improve just because you got married and the magical power of love is going to transform them. Now, God changes people. Yes, he does. Absolutely. Absolutely. So date long and guys don't change. Yeah. And, and it's, 
we're doing ourselves a disservice if we see those red flags early on in the relationship and we think somehow that just closing our eyes to it or that it'll improve one day, we as women, we're definitely doing ours. Well, and men too, if you see those red flags in, in the women you're dating, um, you're doing yourself a disservice by not addressing that and not being real about that right. before you get into a marriage. It's right. much it's much better to avoid uh, an unhealthy marriage right. than to end one. Here's a piece of advice just before the break for the young men because I just lectured the young ladies. The mm-hmm. young men, it's this. Looks fade. Yours didn't, by the way. <laughs> no, you're fade. still as pretty looks as the day, fade. but looks fade, character doesn't. Yes, right? True. We're all going to turn 80 one day. Your face is going to fall off your head, right? You're going to roll over <laughs> and there's this 80-year-old in the bed next to you in the morning. And so the looks fade, but character doesn't fade. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I don't know. I Honestly, guys are the winners in marriage, I think. You know, we really are. But for young men, I'd say, hey, don't just chase the pretty girls and, and, and don't pay attention to character. Character matters. It matters in both directions. I hear the music. It's time to take a little break. And I will try and repair my marriage during the break. And we'll be right back. Disclosure is just one of the programs brought to you by the Voice of Prophecy, like the audio adventure program, Discovery Mountain. Discovery Mountain is a weekly Bible-based program for kids of all ages and backgrounds. Your family will enjoy faith-building stories with Jake Donovan, (laughs) Mr. Simon, and others in this small mountain town. Each summer, campers visit Discovery Mountain, where they sing songs, learn about God, and reenact a Bible story with the help of drama teachers, Miss Wendy and Miss Tamara. With 24 full episodes every year and programming every week, your family will have something uplifting to listen to every week. Listen to episodes on demand and watch video features from Director Doug at discoverymountain.com or on your favorite podcast platform. That's discoverymountain.com. And during the break, I had a little 60-second micro date with my wife <laughs> of 26 years. That came fast, right? Years. Do you remember that really when we good. were dating, we went to my parents' 25th wedding anniversary party? Mm-hmm. And now we are past that mark ourselves. The other I thing know. that occurred to me is like quite a few years ago now, I was suddenly older than your father was when I met you. I know. It's, I know. For some reason, this weekend, I was thinking about, oh, how I did the math mentally. How old was my mom when we got married? And yeah, she was younger than I am right now, which wow. is just so, it's just bizarre because the time just goes by so quickly. But you still look so like you did the day I met you. <laughs> I, do I don't know not. how you do this. You're like, you're like, how do I, what would I compare you to? Like a piece of cheese. The older you get, <laughs> I'm a piece of the cheese. better you get. My wife... Uh, you know what? Sh- so what I should have been Shakespeare. What shall I compare thee to? <laughs> a piece, <laughs> a piece of, cheese. of cheese. Are they laughing in the control yeah, room? They yeah, are. <laughs> my wife is like a fine old piece of cheese. Oh dear me. Yeah. Well, and we're not even I really think. cheese eaters. So, um, here we were talking about what kind of advice with an old couple like us. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was a few years ago I realized that when I walk into a youth meeting, they look at me weird, like, "What's the old guy doing here?" So right. now I sit in this position where I can dispense advice 
advice to young people who won't listen anyway because you know I I didn't listen but but let's put it out there for someone mm-hmm. who is interested in mm-hmm. hearing what it looks like 25 mm-hmm. years a quarter century down the road do you have any more advice for oh, young oh, couples oh, I do okay and this sure. is the big one this is the big one God knows what he's talking about. When you see a warning in the scriptures, pay attention to it. Mm. Even if at this juncture of your life, it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to you. Even if you don't see how it could possibly play out in your case, pay attention to it. And now I'm talking about, well, passages like the famous one in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, where Paul says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And so, and again, I guess, you know, and if this is wrong, it's wrong, and and I'll take, but this tends to me, at least watching as a pastor, this tends to be a problem, again, more for young ladies than young men. Maybe I'm wrong, and you can correct me in a moment, but But young ladies have come to me more than young men have, let me put it that way, and said, Pastor, I really like this guy, and we're dating, and he's not a Christian. But I think that God arranged this so that I can marry him and lead him to Christ. No, no, God Mm -hmm. does not contradict Mm -hmm. the advice that he gives in the Bible. Don't do this. And in the beginning, it might seem like, oh, this is going to work out, you know, uh, I'll go to church on the weekend. He'll stay home and watch football. But one of these days, through the magical power of love, I'll convince him to come. Now, mm-hmm. it does happen. For it does happen. Sure, it does. It happen. does. But, but it can be 40 years, and there can be a lot of heartache well, and a lot of difficult yeah. decisions on how to, how to, where your finances go, how you raise your children, how you prioritize your time and your values. Right. Um, it can be a lifetime well, of that. You know, the the little things. You know, mm-hmm. you and I believe in the gift of the Sabbath, that God didn't give that as a rule to ruin your life, but as an, an amazing gift. And and I know a lot of Christians are rediscovering that, that, mm-hmm. boy, this time with God is valuable. But now you're married to somebody who doesn't find that valuable, and he mm-hmm. wants to have his buddies over to drink and watch football games while you're wanting to spend the day with God. Mm-hmm. That was kind of a small item. But then what happens when you bring children into the world? Mm-hmm. And you'd like to raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, the way the Bible puts it, but your spouse now doesn't care about Christ, and a 10-year-old is going to look at the options saying, you know what, partying is more fun than church, and you're not going to have the support system that is ideal. Now, I do want to put this proviso into what I'm saying. There are a lot of people out there that find themselves in that situation right now. Mm -hmm. And if you read what Paul writes, he says, "Don't, don't leave because... Uh, if they're willing to stay in the marriage, you stay in the marriage because Absolutely. who knows that right. influence may come to bear fruit. And it says that, and it's interesting in the Bible, it talks about it's always the unbelieving husband, which is more often the case. Mm-hmm. It really is. Yeah. And um, and it says he is sanctified. There, don't walk away. If they leave, that's one thing. But if you leave, you've done contrary to the will of God. Mm-hmm. There are also people who become believers in their marriage, and mm-hmm. you're not to leave. But if you're at the front end of this, looking at this, don't marry an unbeliever. Don't, don't do it. The heartache is not worth it, and I've seen so many shipwrecks because people ignored this one piece of advice. Do not be, what is it, Amos chapter 3, can two walk together except they be agreed? Yeah. Now, that's yeah. for all kinds of relationships, but it certainly includes the marriage relationship. Uh, definitely. And 
if you have the opportunity to think this through before a marriage, um, Sean, you give the the clear example of having children. I think everyone can see how a believer and an unbeliever, when you have children in the family, how difficult and complicated that becomes. But someone might be listening to us right now, either saying, well, that's okay, we don't plan to have children, or that's okay, we've already yes, talked surprise. about it. <laughs> or, yeah. Yes, surprise. <laughs> or, or even, oh, we've talked about it, and my spouse supports my me taking the children to church. But there are so many layers there that we can't even necessarily predict, such as, will an unbelieving spouse support paying for Christian education? Will an unbelieving spouse support you supporting your local church with tithe? Mm. Those are financial examples. Um, then there's the time. Christian education takes so much time from a family. Uh, How does. does that unbelieving spouse feel about the, the hours that are spent um, in church activities and school activities? Just just layers like that that maybe before we're married, we can't anticipate. I know I couldn't have. I right. couldn't have anticipated No, you that. don't understand. Um, I mean, even though we all grew up with parents as children, you don't get the parental perspective till you get there. No, you really don't. And so just... Scriptural counsel is there for a reason, and it really is. It's there to 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 give us the best possible hope for a joyful marriage and a joyful future. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's what I'm praying for for our daughters, that they find, you know, marriage is hard under the best of circumstances. Let's not lie about it. I know Hollywood paints it as once you find your one true love, it's, you know, you're, you're living in Disneyland from then mm-hmm. on. That's not mm-hmm. true. Human mm-hmm. beings are human beings, and the... And the uh, sparkle goes off of a marriage quicker than you would think. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. there's some sparkle in our marriage. I don't mean that. But, I know what you, you know, mean. But, but the, the, the shiny new life. thing, yeah. like it's kind of like a new car. You're going to get that first dent, and it's going to break your heart. Sure. And the first dent will come. It's hard enough under the best of circumstances. Why would you stack the deck when God, against yourself right. when God advises you not to? Right. Look, for our own kids— Mm-hmm. For our own kids, we have a rule in our house, and, you know, and I'm not sure they've been fans of the rule. Mm-hmm. But the rule is you don't date till you're out of high school. Now, I don't want to discuss this as a prescription for every parent, just right. as a, a factual thing. This is the rule that um, that we established in our house. So let's talk a little bit about maybe why we took that position. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was a position we took. We we told our daughters, you may not go out on dates. You may not date until after you graduate from high school. And it's funny, the day after Natalie's high school graduation, <laughs> a boy picked her up for breakfast. So, I mean, she she followed it in a, in a way. She followed it. But, I, I mean, I have to say, we are, we are not perfect parents. Our children are very real children. And in principle, they know that that, rule exists, does it mean that they haven't formed attachments during their high school years? Does it mean that they haven't spent time with boys on campus, at school, even though they weren't allowed to go out on a date? Of course, it it doesn't mean that. Um, They did do that. So I just want to be very honest and very real with our listeners. But the rationale for that rule was good. And it was this. It was that they're young and they are still learning who they are and they are not really in our opinion they were not ready to make 
a permanent commitment to someone. And that's really what dating's all about. It's about getting to know people in order to find that one person that you are going to make a lifetime commitment to. And we just felt that they were not, they are, well, we have one who's still in that category. So she is not. And Natalie was not ready at that stage of life. So we we discouraged dating at that that phase. Well, here's the way that I've been thinking about this. Really, what is the purpose of dating? The purpose of dating is to find a spouse. Mm -hmm. And, you know, someone will disagree with that. No, no, it's to have fun. I don't know. I don't know. Because human attachments begin to form just in the innocent conversations that happen in a restaurant, say, and you start making eye contact, you develop feelings, um, and you need to be ready for the potential for a lifetime commitment with that person. You Mm -hmm. are not at that phase of life when you are still in high school. I don't believe so. And again, I'm not trying to be prescriptive for other parents. And I understand that back in the 1800s, everybody knew who their spouse was going to be by 15 or 16. Um, But then again, they were ready to start real life by 18, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And and get a job on the farm or, or whatever it was. I don't know that you're ready, emotionally ready in high school. You're not looking for a spouse. So why would you get into a situation where you may form deeper attachments? You know, it's easier to get into a relationship than out of it. And mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of heartbreak because there's a lot of short-term relationships when you're, mm-hmm. when, when you're young. Um, so you get emotionally attached to somebody. You weren't looking for a spouse. Why would you put yourself in that situation? Um, I also... To be really blunt, temptation is strong mm-hmm. when you're young. Right? Yeah. The hormones are coursing through your veins. Mm-hmm. And uh, I say that as a you know half-century-old male, uh, but when you are 18 and male, mm, let's just be really honest about it. Your hormones have a way of driving your decisions and sometimes overriding your logic. And so... You know, Paul actually says in 1 Corinthians 7, when a couple is together and they find they're burning with desire for each other, that's what he actually says. It is better, he says, to get married than to burn with temptation. Hmm. Mm -hmm. So temptation is real. Let's be honest about it. Sexual temptation is real for young people in particular. Mm -hmm. So why would you put yourself in a situation when puberty hits younger nowadays, you know, girls in particular, I understand, are hitting puberty younger, two or three years younger. Men are too. And we're getting married later. So it's no longer a five-year window where you're looking for a spouse and getting married. Sometimes it's a 15-year window. Right, How right. well are you going to handle temptation when you're being driven by testosterone? Mm-hmm. Let's be honest about it. So when you're in the phase where you're looking for a spouse, that's when you should start dating. It's not just for fun. People's emotions and emotional attachments are not entertainment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's maybe the male hunter mentality. I don't know. Yeah, um, and, and we adopted the this rule for our daughters to not go out on dates in high school just because we believed, based on what you and I have both just shared, that it was in their best interest to protect their hearts and protect them right, for when they were mature enough to be able to make these kind of decisions well that would affect them in a positive way. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. I uh, I also have this sort of in the back of my mind. I think when you're in high school, you probably have bigger priorities. I said you're not looking for a spouse, but I think you probably have bigger, more urgent priorities. Um, It's much harder later in life to go back to college 
you know, once you started a family. I think right. you should get your career and your life together before you consider marriage and family, or at least know what that map looks like. Mm -hmm. And that's probably a bigger priority when you're 17 in high school mm -hmm. than, uh, than finding a spouse is. There is the music. I wanted to throw one more thought in there. Honestly, 18-year-old boys haven't matured enough to be considered as spouses anyway, and it's hard enough <laughs> at 50 to be considered mature because men just don't ever grow up. There's the music. We're going to have to take a little break, uh, and I'll go on another little micro-date with my wife. We're talking about marriage and dating from a biblical perspective. We'll be right back after this. All around us, the world is changing. Homes are being lost. Lives are being threatened. And some people are asking the question, does God even care about me? The Bible answers that question, and what it says is very encouraging. Find out what God says regarding this topic and some of life's greatest issues in our free Discover Bible Guides. You can get yours by going to VOP.com, click on Study, or call us at 888-456-7933. 888-456-7933. Retirement planning can be a stressful process, but it doesn't have to be. The friendly people at The Voice of Prophecy can walk you through the entire process and explain all of your options based on your specific needs. Whether you'd like to set up a trust for income or make a gift that will benefit your loved ones and change lives through The Voice of Prophecy, we're here to help. To learn more, call 1-800-348-5993. I saw them waving at me in the control booth, and they almost had me talk before we were on the air, really. <laughs> Ruben, you're fired. You, know, you can't fire Ruben. No, Come on. no. Well, at, when the show's over, I won't fire you right now, but as soon as we go off the air, you are out of here. I'll get my box. Okay, yeah. Same one you packed last week. At least Just it wasn't, borrow, her, it wasn't Harim. Harim's. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah. Borrow Harim's box. Borrow he Harim's gets fired box. most weeks. And, uh, yeah. All right, we are back from the break. Had a little micro date with my wife, repaired all, you know, put all the divots back on the golf course of our marriage. <laughs> and I don't even play golf, but how do you like that? I, For your father's sake, I threw, I threw a golf analogy in there. <laughs> Good um, job. We're talking about marriage and dating, and uh, not that we have achieved anything at 26 years, 26 26 years of marriage, or is it 27? Years. 26. 26. But mm -hmm. I've known you for 30 now. Mm-hmm. Met you in uh, yeah thirty years ago. Okay, mm -hmm. so we're talking about marriage and dating, and uh, we're trying to offer our meager advice. A lot of it, you know, is biblical advice, so that's not meager. But you know, what I have to offer in addition to the scriptures is is fairly meager. There's a lot in there, though. So here's what I want to do maybe for the next little bit, Gene, is at the head of the show, at the top, we looked at that passage in Ephesians chapter 5 where Paul says that the relationship between husband and wife, mm -hmm. he's actually driving at the relationship between Christ and his church. Right. And so um, we are, I believe that marriage is actually a school for heaven. It teaches us something about our relationship to God. Mm -hmm. We have a Godhead that is three in one, and so Christ is able to say, I am one with my father. And then the Bible says that husband and wife are one flesh. Mm -hmm. And so you start to maybe get some meager insight into what God's love is like by looking at the relationships we have. So looking back over the last two and a half plus decades together, 
what has marriage taught you? Oh, wow. <laughs> Besides so, so extreme much. patience. So much. <laughs> except extreme patience. Well, it's it's taught me so much, and I, and I want to uh, talk about that verse. But let me just say this um, before I get into that. You know, when you get married, you talk about for better or for worse, right? We all talk about yep. that. You marry for the better and you marry for the worse. And I think, at least from my perspective, all I can share is from my personal experience. I was very starry-eyed. I was 22 years old when we got married. And what? I thought, oh. You were? I was. I was very young. That seems far too young. I know, doesn't it? Especially when we have a 20-year-old daughter. Uh. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I was... I, you know, obviously I went in, we, I had criteria, you met them, I went in, we were both Christians I at met that your criteria. Point. You met all my criteria. <laughs> we were both Christians when and we got married. And those of you who don't believe in miracles, you just heard one. <laughs> yeah. No, um, but I think I thought, I, I know I thought going into marriage, the worst was, oh, yes, someone might get sick, or we might have this struggle or that struggle, but I did not realize the depths of... Disappointment um, that you would no. suffer at my hands? <laughs> no, no, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> but but we, have, we have been through some seasons that were difficult. Sure. They really were. And um, what, I, what I didn't realize was that those difficult, what you would call worse times, they really, when you have someone that you're committed to, and you're right. married to someone that meets that criteria. They are Christian as well. Um, it deepens your relationship with each other, and it helps you to grow. And so those worst times, they're there, and they're there, and they are plentiful. But along with the joyous and the fun and the easy times, the two together are what grow a healthy marriage. And yeah. um, so that that would. You know, I I, I kind of thought of it going in. You have to suffer through the difficult times, and they're there. They're there in, in plenty. Well, there is, but a, they they draw you closer, and they and they make you a stronger person and a deeper person. There is a little bit of a trench warfare analogy there. Maybe you know, guys who end up in the trench together are bonded for life. And there, mm -hmm. I think you're right. There is something about being in the trench together as husband and wife. Yeah. That and I, you've often said, if something happened to me, would you remarry? Right now, my answer is absolutely not, because how could I replace what you and I have gone through together? Yeah, but for the I last would. I, I'm going to say this on the air because I say this to our daughters. Yeah. If something happens to me, I want you to remarry. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> yes, no, no. I do. I would. I wouldn't want for you. This, to be I alone. can't imagine replacing this. Well, you would. You'd not find something different. Yeah. You would find something different. No. Right. No, no. I got I my dream girl. What you're saying. I got my dream girl. So, what else have you learned? Well, um, let's. Let's go back to Ephesians chapter 5. All right, because, let me get there. I, uh, let's me, see, verse magic, 30. With laptop magic, I can be there you without be there turning instantly a single almost. 5 verse 30. Yep. You, you shared it um, at the beginning of the program, but let me just go through it here. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, and we hear this at weddings all the time, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Now, uh, we hear this a lot at weddings, and um, I, I hadn't thought of it this way until recently. Someone shared that the reason it says specifically, it doesn't say the man and the wife shall leave their father and mother. It says the man shall leave his father and mother. Hmm. The 
cultural implications of this were interesting to me. The wife was expected to leave her father and mother. I think that's why it's not stated here. That was the expected process. She would leave her parents and she would join her husband. And traditionally, the son of the family would be the caregiver, the provider for the parents as they aged. And so the son was expected to bring his wife into his original family and they were to live together, maybe maybe even physically under the same roof with his parents. But this verse really gives that new couple the um, it empowers them and enables them to be their own family. So right from the first day that they're married, the husband, who is no longer a son in the in the sense that he's answerable to his father and his mother, now he and his wife are the primary decision makers for that unit, that new family unit hmm. that's beginning. And so it it really sets them apart um, to, to not be influenced by the, the mother and the father, even if they're living in their home and working together and, and working in business or are on a farm together. And so I, I love that. That's a beautiful protective um, protective role that it provides for that new family. And the personal application of this verse to our lives, we were married in 93, and in 95 already, we had to leave uh, both our yeah. our, our parents. Right. First, we moved way up north to in the same province of British Columbia in Canada, and then we moved across Canada, and then we moved from Canada down here to the U.S., and we've lived all across the U.S., but... It's been hard in many ways. We haven't had our parents and our siblings and our nieces and nephews in our day-to-day lives. They haven't been a part of birthday parties generally and some of those milestones with our kids. But I believe that God ordained that because, Sean, you and I, particularly being a ministry family, you and I are so much an individual family unit, including our daughters now, of course, um, we really have had to apply this Ephesians 5 verse to our lives. We have become one unit. And I think as sad and as difficult as it's often been being away from our original families, that was part of God's plan for us. It wow. really was. Wow. You, you went into some depth there. I'm going to sound like a shallow. <laughs> you know, as you're mentioning that, though, I guess that's the next phase. As our daughters start their family, uh, you're spinning off. Mm-hmm. And that is not my family anymore. We're no, all family, it's, but it's not my it's family. It's their family. It's an interesting, you know, that the, the, the emphasis that um, the Bible puts on the nuclear family. And, and I, I want to pause and say this. I know that in the West in particular, in America in particular, there aren't too many ideal nuclear family models left. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of broken homes, a lot of single parents. We're in no way disparaging that. What we're looking at is the ideal model, mm-hmm. and uh, and we all fall short of the ideal in some way. And so I don't want anybody to be discouraged because we're focusing on the traditional nuclear model. But the Bible does hold that out as a school for faith and, 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 and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm looking at there's this real emphasis, and there's been an attack on that. It's not just that it hasn't done well in the West, and unfortunately, you no know, divorce rates are approaching similar numbers among Christians. I think the numbers have been skewed sometimes because when you roll in first, second, and third divorces and so on, the numbers do skew a little bit, and there is a way of looking at the metric that reveals that Christian marriages actually do survive a little bit better. Not, mm-hmm. not perfect, but... 
I'm looking at all that, and the emphasis on the nuclear family is the primary unit. I think believers need to pay attention to that, that God has ordained this small cell. You know, people like to talk about um, small group Bible study is very healthy for everybody. Right, so we have right. this small group Bible study in our homes, and the relationships there between parent and child and husband and wife mm-hmm. are all there to help us learn more about who God is. And so I've, I've looked at this, and I've thought, you know, there are some things I've, I've learned in 26 years, and you'll be shocked to hear that I've learned anything. But <laughs> number one, uh, one thing I can say is, is a guy, and it's, it, it's this. You know, Jesus loved the bride so much he was willing to lay down his life. and The bride is the for church. For her, for the mm-hmm, church. Mm-hmm. And I've looked at that, and theoretically I got it. But I've got to say, after 26 years, yeah, there is no question that if something were to happen in our home, I'd throw myself on the grenade. And there's no explaining that. It's an instinct. Mm-hmm. I would do that. I mm-hmm. would throw myself on the grenade to make my number one concern in life now is that you do well. I mean, at this age, my big fear is, well, what happens if I die and you're still around? Did I provide for you? Yeah, yeah. And I just have to say, I believe wholeheartedly when you say that. I believe you that that, that is true. Of yeah. you, that you no, would do I would. that. And mm-hmm. it's it's funny. It's an instinct. It's not like I had to coach myself for that. It kicks in. Mm-hmm. And um, and so how much does God love his bride? Here's the other one that I ponder often because I lay awake all night. You're sound asleep. You're right next to me, and you're cute when you sleep, <laughs> except when you do your little um, – I call it the huff and puff because you snore ever so slightly. Oh, thanks. Yeah, you snore ever so slightly, and you kind of – I don't know how to describe it. Yeah. I call it the huff and puff, and I, it only lasts for a few mean. minutes. But you're cute. You're lying there. And I think, what an incredible gift somebody's life is. Mm. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you didn't just agree to share a house with me. You get one lifetime, and you gave that to me as a gift. Mm-hmm. I can't believe that somebody would do that. And then I look at Christ, who gave everything. He gave up everything that he had in the glories of heaven to join us here in this miserable mess. He gave us his life. Mm. What what a gift. And more than that, I mean, what Jesus accomplished at the cross is so much deeper than anything that you and I could provide for each other. But what a gift that somebody laying everything aside for the sake of the betterment of somebody else is. And I marvel at that. And I think, Lord, is that part of what I'm supposed to learn here? Look at this beautiful wife I got. I mean, Praise the Lord! I got a pretty wife. You know, you're you're good looking, and I like well, you're that. You're biased, but that's yeah, all right. No, no, I I think maybe that's why our eyes go bad when we get older. God is sparing <laughs> us the brutal reality of eighty years of age. There you go. But I look at this gift, and I'm starting to get just a little more of a glimpse of maybe, maybe, what God has given us. Mm-hmm. Uh, He gave us everything. He's willing to pour himself out. And so from a guy's perspective, I'm thinking, yeah, I'm starting to get that. I'm still selfish. We all are as human beings. And God is selfless, but look at what he gave us. So, yeah, I'm Mm -hmm. I'm learning a lot. We're going to run out of time on this show. We are, you know. Yeah, we have 26 years of marriage to wade through. We should do another program, Okay, let's do another one. Because we've just barely scratched the surface on this. We really have. Yeah, okay, so we'll do more on marriage and dating, you lucky people out there. (laughs) And you can take all of the very best advice from the Sean and Jean dating show. There you go. Yeah. Here's the other part. We are still dating. I like that. Mm -hmm. I went out for, all right, we're going to run out of time. You need to visit voiceofprophecy.com to see all of the beautiful resources we have for you. Until next time, this has been Disclosure. Disclosure.